Welcome to the UIAAA Connection Podcast. Hometown Ticketing is proud to be the exclusive sponsor of the UIAAA Connection Podcast and to provide schools nationwide with the best options for digital ticketing for their events. Visit their website at hometownticketing.com to learn how they can make digital ticketing possible and simple at your school. Thank you to Hometown Ticketing for their exclusive sponsorship of the UIAAA Connection Podcast. Welcome back to another edition of the UIAAA Connection. I'm your host, Mark Hutch Hunter. Today we have as our guest, Larry Bergeson, Superintendent of, Superintendent of the Washington County School District. Welcome to the podcast, Larry. You're, you know what? It's good to be here, Mark. I appreciate you. Uh, uh, taking the time to interview and ask a few questions. I hope what I can provide will be a benefit to whoever is listening. Well, thank you. And we're glad you're here as our guest. Incidentally, Larry is the third super, superintendent that we've had as a guest on our podcast. So we're excited to have him today. Let's have you start, Larry, by sharing with our audience here in Utah and across the nation where you grew up, where you went to college, your first job, that type of a thing. All right. I was born in Blackfoot, Idaho. Uh, in 1957. Um, first few years, of course, uh, went with parents uh, through college and so forth. Uh, my father went to Utah State University, got his uh, agricultural degree there. And then we moved in 1961 to St. George, Utah. A little bit different then than it was now. Five, mm -hmm. 6,000 people, one traffic light. Um, and so it was a, a whole different growing up. The movie, the Sandlot, if uh -huh. any of you have seen that, that is exactly what St. George looked like back then. Glass plane, swimming pool, vacant lot, sandlot, baseball, all of the above. Uh, I'll come back to that in a minute, but moved away for about 30 years, came back expecting it all to look the same. Any of you who understand the growth in Washington County, uh, you'll understand that 30 years later, it didn't even look like the same place. The vacant lots were gone. Uh, the glass pane swimming pool had become a volleyball court, and the town had grown immeasurably, continues to grow fast. So we well, moved I'm here. Sure. Yeah, we moved here in 1961, went to East Elementary, which has now been purchased by uh, then Dixie College, but now Utah Tech University, kindergarten through fifth grade, moved away in 1968. The biggest thing that probably happened while we were here, other than the start of my K-12 education was uh, what we call the downwinder uh, issues or the nuclear testing over in the uh -huh. Nevada deserts. Um, as a result of that, uh, we were here during that time frame at which we were qualifiers for downwinder compensation if any of us got cancer. My parents and four of us kids qualified, so six of us. Out of those six, Three have, uh, five have had cancer, three are dead, including a younger brother with brain tumor and both parents at early ages. And myself, along with the brother are cancer survivors. The only one to not have cancer out of those six qualifiers is the younger sister. So it was a very real thing, something that we've learned how to, uh, what I guess come to grips with and deal with here yeah. uh, in St. George. But, uh, anyway, from there, when we moved to Idaho, went to Pocadillo, Idaho for a couple of years, Idaho Falls for a couple of years. My father worked for UNI Sugar Company. 
seed growing down here in the 1960s. And when you go up to Idaho, of course, they grow the sugar beets. Um, and at that point, they wanted uh, our family to move, my dad to move, all promotional moves to the state of Washington. Made the decision for the benefit of the family with eight kids that we needed to stay put. So we went to Teton Valley, Driggs, Idaho. That's where I went to middle school and high school. Played all sports, did from a very young age. Um, and uh, I suppose I can get to that later, but things went very well. Played high school collegiately, had an opportunity for some foreign ball and even NBA rookie camp letter invitations. But it was well, one, year, one year prior to the three-point shot. And when you live or die by the three-point shot and there isn't one, you weren't recruited quite as heavy. So well, I understand that. Let at me... that point, made the decision to go on to school or finish school and go on and teach and coach, which was what let, my... Let me ask you a couple of follow-ups. The first one is Driggs. So if I'm, if my memory is correct, and of course you were born in the late 50s, Yes. Were you in Driggs when the Teton Dam broke? Or I my guess your senior family? year. It was the end really? of my senior year. I was oddly enough traveling from Teton Valley, Driggs, Idaho, to go to Logan to have Doc Worley, who was the team physician for Utah State basketball team that I later, later played for, uh, look at my knees. When we left town and while we were driving down earlier that morning, we heard that the dam had broke. When I say we, it was my girlfriend, who's now my wife, Terry, we thought, you know what, on the way home, let's go to Rexburg Way. We went what we call the, the Ryrie Swan Valley Way up to mm -hmm. Victor. We thought, well, let's right. go back to Rexburg Way and see if we can see what the high water mark looks like or what damage. Well, little did we know it wiped that road and pretty well everything through that area out. But yep, that was right at the end of my senior year. Wow, that's, I am. I'm not sure that I've ever spoken to someone who actually who was in that area when it oh, happened. Yeah. Went out the next morning, the crack of dawn, and looked at the dent water that was just receding. Went out and we did a lot of cleaning of basements full of mud, water, you know. As, as did it flood crack. your house then? No, we were above it. It went straight down and hit uh, right on the bottom end of... Teton, I think it was, and uh, skirted the river, the, the, that fork of the river, of the Teton River, and then went right mm -hmm. down into Rexburg and everything in between, out between St. Anthony, and then Rexburg, and then out by the twin, what we call the Manan Buttes, and circled around and hit back in the river, and, uh, and you know, flooded a lot of farmland, just a lot of farmland, mm. farm homes. Uh, fortunately, it wasn't sure. very many people that uh, died as a result of that but yeah it was catastrophic never yeah it. I, I can imagine let me ask you another follow-up you talked about okay. being a downwinder mm -hmm. uh, you talked about being a cancer survivor which i also am so if it's not too personal you, of a question uh, what cancer have you survived uh it was testicular cancer just like lance armstrong wow uh, yeah um, well that's you know that's surgery to be... radiation yeah, you yeah. know, that, that I, I understand word that. isn't a good one to hear, but no, it's yeah. uh, you, you hear that. And when it happens to you, your outlook is totally different. So it's, oh, it's good different. to see you smiling. And it's good to see you healthy. Yeah. Let's, well, let's and you go the same, Mark. Yeah, yes, we we you, have Mark. a bond that goes right deep to the heart when you 
and both say you're cancer survivors. Absolutely. Absolutely. Let's then talk. I assume you played a lot of youth sports, but you talked yeah. for a moment about your time at Utah State and you played college ball there. Yeah. So I'll let you talk about that. I think by the time you played at Utah State, it would have obviously been in the late 70s. So you wouldn't have known someone like Hal Hill, who was there earlier. But I, recognize talk about, that, yeah. I recognize that name, but but my first year was Rod Tudor's first year. Dutch okay. Belknap and Rod both kind of partly recruited me. It was during that transition time. I played, well, let me back up. I'll tell you what I did. I went to school for recess. Let's see, it goes back that far. Recess, <laughs> playing, whether it was marbles, tetherball, uh, or sure. kickball, softball, what, uh, basketball, anything you could do. That's why I went to school. Uh, once we got into the younger ages, there was a pretty famous coach down here, Coach Don Lay. You know, I went to Little League basketball for a couple of years with him. Mm -hmm. Played uh, Ants Brothers. That's a popular name. They sell homes here. Uh, youth baseball. Uh, I would have graduated if I stayed here about the same time as Bruce Hurst. You know about Bruce okay. for the sure. Red Sox. So I was of that time frame and age. You know, ran up and down Flood Street. You know, his book Flood from Flood Street to Fenway. You know, I can relate to that uh, all the way through. Played high school sports, all of them, from football, basketball, track. You know, uh, at that particular time, we didn't have baseball up in Teton Valley, Driggs, Idaho. The winters were too long and hard. And in fact, <laughs> most most of our track meets when we went we were practicing handoffs outside the halls of the school or the gymnasium uh, for the first time because of snow in Teton Valley played high school sports um, football and, and basketball being the two main ones ran track um, just coincidentally I had a coach by the name of Lester Wade that's been inducted into the Idaho Hall of Fame we won it was just under 100 consecutive basketball games in a row, spanning three or four seasons. Uh, one, you know, my junior year, my senior year, the year after sure. they didn't defeat, you know, Gary Furness that played at Utah State and BYU was our center. Uh, Rex Fulmer, another collegiate player that played at Rick's College then, BYU, Idaho now. So we had a very good team for a small, it was a high school about the size of Enterprise down here. and. Mm -hmm. We, we had a very good team. That's where it started. My coach, Lester Wade, was one of my mentors and idols, very calm. You know, he, his pride was, I don't know, coaching for 20 years. I'm not sure if he ever got a technical foul. My senior year, he almost did. We almost got beat in the state championship. And uh, but then it ended up pulling through. So it was good. He then I was recruited to play basketball at College of Southern Idaho with Boy Grant. Uh -huh. The Bandy National Champions. He was actually at the national finals my senior year in basketball. So he didn't see me play, but some people did that were there that were on the administration, as well as a, I think a red shirt, uh, Oscar Sproul from the Bronx, New York, who ended up, he and I ended up being the starting guards. CSI rated number one all year, broke the national junior college win streak record, and got beat in the quarterfinals by, I want to say it was Independence, Missouri, that won it. Uh, the huh. National Junior College Tournament. We should have. We got big heads. That's another story. And then well, let, LDS mission ahead. for two years right. in Australia. And then back and played three years at Utah State. Uh, 1979 to 82. 
And of course, the three-point shot came into existence 82, 83, so I missed it by a year. So let me follow up and ask you, uh, you obviously got drafted or at least invited to an MBA camp. Let's talk for a moment about that. I did. I got invited. Um, it was, you know, playing high, uh, college sports was a lot of pressure, different than what I'd expected. I was married at this point, had one uh, son and another uh, and, you know, son back then, those days, you didn't know what you were having until you had them. But uh, right. on the way, uh, I was excited about, you know, my education was on in education, special education. I had an affinity of working with uh, disabled uh, youth and individuals and wanted to coach and teach. So I became a special ed teacher and coach in Preston, Idaho. And at that point in life, I just felt like, you know what, uh, even if I would have made it into the NBA, which would have been extremely difficult, I know how competitive that is, played collegially against some who did, went head to head against Craig Hodges that played for the Chicago Bulls, won the three-point right. contest. I scored, you know, point for point with him in games. So I could play, but it was a challenge. It was the pressure. I was ready to go on with life and just be a dad, an educator, a coach. So that's what I did. And my claim to fame is scoring lots of points in city league and church games. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Let me ask you another follow-up. So there was a time when you were the principal at Dixie and uh, Craig Hammer was your assistant. Now he played at the University of Utah. You played at Utah. I can't imagine uh, if you two were with some of the faculty or some of the pickup games, how did that go at uh, Dixie High? Well, by the time I got there, Craig had moved into the district office, so he technically wasn't my assistant. Oh, but okay. We had some, uh, he had played up until I got there. I think he'd stopped a few years before. You know, we were both aging. We did play against each other. He was at Utah when I was at Utah State. Um, and I, we both remember playing against each other. Um, but uh, yeah, we played some faculty against student games and, and things like that. It was loads of fun, but uh, we both aged and gotten older and nothing, nothing is truer than with both of us than the adage, the older we get, the better we were. So, there you <laughs> Absolutely. Go. I still play let's, senior games. That's uh, good. Oh, that's awesome. This past year with some guys from Utah State, Frank Shaw, uh, Corey Larson, Eric Falk, who played football at Utah State. Uh, we have a blast doing that. Like I said, I just played right up this last October. So sports is still a big part of my life. Play with my sons. Uh, Plus, you don't have to uh, to get a hotel room at St. George because you're already there. Because I'm, I'm already here during during That's senior right. games. Uh, that, of course, yeah. there's a lot of the year that those hotels yeah, are built. It's a good thing. Mm -hmm. Let's talk for a minute. You've mentioned some of them earlier, some of the mentors you had, but let me give you a chance to to call out any other mentors or people that had a great influence on your life? Well, my parents certainly did. Early, my dad played some college basketball. It was back at Rick's College back in the day. Uh, very athletic, uh, kind of a, what? It's, it's uh, obsolete, more or less now. Uh, but it's, he pitched a lot of fast pitch softball. It was very good. One of the better mm -hmm. fastball, uh, softball pitchers in the Intermountain States and and went to a lot of tournaments. Uh, very young age, it was instilled in me that I wanted to compete and participate. Two that I really looked up to, uh, two cousins, Stan and Steve Bergeson, 
played for the old BYU High. They were several years older than me. Both ran track at BYU. Steve Bergeson, for a period of time, hit the world, held the world indoor record for the 800 meter. They wow. were idols and mentors to me. Just very uh, quality individuals. Uh, uh, that, you know, my Uncle Bill's boys. Um, and they were that way for me. My high school coach, Lester Wade, uh, for basketball, was, was a definite mentor for me. Um, I thought he was an exceptional coach, one of the best at teaching how to pay, play, coaching just the right amount of coaching, and then not overcoaching. And we had a very talented team, and it wasn't just us, the three that I mentioned earlier. Our second string probably could have been a very competitive to win state. We were that good and deep for a young team. And there was no secret. We just played a lot of ball in the offseason. We got along well. I, <clears throat> apparently, there was some talent on the team, but Lester Wade did a great job of coaching us. So he was a mentor. Boyd Grant, College Southern Idaho. I don't know to know of him. Uh, taught me a lot. Taught me a lot about life uh, through basketball, through sports. The two things I'll never forget, and I've used them forever, there's two types of people in life, whether you're playing sports or whether you're working or living with somebody, you know, husband, wife, whatever, there's givers and there's takers. The world's full of, pretty, uh, of plenty of takers. The givers are few and far between. And he wanted to make sure that we understood the difference between those two. And if you're gonna be a true team player, you have to be a giver. If you're a taker, you're not going to survive very long, and certainly not as you get out in life. So those are some of my mentors. That's some uh, that's some great wisdom there. Thank you so much for sharing. Let me ask you a little bit of a personal question. What's your biggest failure or disappointment, and what did you learn from it? Yeah, you know, when I read that question, I thought, I want to talk about failures. Not too many <laughs> of us do. Right. Uh, I, I'm going to give you a couple. One was our, my senior year at Utah State. We had done very well, uh, won the Pacific Coast Athletic Association, which is what our conference was back then, a couple of years in a row, gone to the NCAA tournament. My senior year, we lost some key players. Uh, we lost Eric Peterson, who was then one of our power forwards to a knee injury. We lost Greg Grant uh, to a knee injury, who would have been a freshman that year, but was a phenomenal player and was the all-time scorer until J.C. Carroll, who I knew, in Wyoming, mm -hmm. broke his record. Um, and uh, and then the other one was Mark Miller, who was 6'10", and opted to go try out for the Olympic volleyball team. As a result of that, it was very late in the year when a lot of this happened. We were, we were left with smaller power forwards. And, and as a result of that, we had a tough year. You know, it was a tough season. One of the tougher Utah State scenes. We were in a lot of games. Uh, I will say this, we beat BYU at BYU's floor that year. And that was a very uh, positive note for our year. Sure. We didn't win a lot of games that year. It's always bothered me. I've never been, as you can hear me talk about high school, junior college, playing on national champion teams, uh, setting records for the most consecutive wins in high school. That was new to me to not have a successful season as far as wins and losses were concerned. You know, I learned a lot about that, about life. Uh, you know, as they often say, uh, a person isn't measured by the number of times he's knocked down or falls down by, by the number of times he gets up, dusts himself off and goes on and finishes. Uh, and I've, I've learned a lot from that. I've, I've learned to understand losing differently. I still don't like to lose. 
you know, um, you need to be competitive to be successful in life, but you, you do not ever do that at the expense of people. Uh, and that's one of the things I think sports and athletics has taught me. You help other people at all times. That's just how we are. And if you do that, you'll find your problems and circumstances in life are much less significant than what they would be otherwise. But yeah, that's, that's one thing that's always stuck with me, always bothered me. You know, why couldn't I have been? You know, I've applied for certain positions in education in my life when I've not received them. Uh, I look back and I remember one particular time when I thought I should have got a new high school here in Washington County, and I didn't. Instead, they opted to give me Dixie High School. And at that particular time, I had a very wise superintendent named Max Rose, who I followed, who said, who called me when I expressed some disgruntlement to our HR director um, and told him I needed to think about taking Dixie High or not. He said, do you, uh, you've listened to the song by Garth Brooks called Unanswered Prayers, right? And I said, yes. He said, you just got one. And I thought, well, I'm not so sure about that. But I had no idea as I went to be principal of Dixie High School, obviously I accepted it, how much living down the street for those uh, years before we left, up until I was 10 years old, going to those high school games, my dad was a ref. He officiated a lot of basketball games there mm -hmm. for old Dixie College. How much that got in my blood and how good it was for me to be at Dixie High School. And as you know, you've heard that term, Mark Hunter, I bleed blue. I still do Dixie, but it goes clear back to when I grew up down the street. Um, so I've had a few disappointments, but you know, life isn't always going to be a bed of roses. You're not going to win everything you do. 50% uh, of any sports competition uh, results in a loser. And you just yeah. have to look at it in the way that it should be. And so uh, hopefully that answers the question. Well, great. And thanks for sharing that. Let me follow up. How many schools then have you taught or administrated in? I started in, in uh, Preston High School, Preston, Idaho in 1982. And yes, that's Napoleon Dynamite's high school, yeah. where at least yeah. where I filmed, <laughs> I was Pedro. I knew a lot of the people that were involved in that was secretary and that film was the secretary when I started uh, teaching there in 1982. Uh, four years there, then went to Cody, Wyoming and was a coach and teacher, coached three sports in Preston, and then uh, was coaching two sports, girls basketball when I first got there uh, for two years, and then boys basketball after that, and then cross country running, and taught uh, four years there. Those are the eight years. Those were my teaching years. Then I went from Cody, Wyoming, Lyman, Wyoming, where I became a special education director for three years, and started coaching freshman basketball again, even while I was doing that. And the whole time I was principal, three years later for eight more years, 11 years total in Lyman, Wyoming, I was principal and coached freshman basketball and one year JV basketball. A smaller school, back in the day, I think when they let you do those things a little bit more, mm -hmm. practiced at 5.30 every morning. So I wouldn't interfere with my being a principal. And then was even part-time athletic director for periods of time there with some health uh, issues with uh, the, our part-time athletic director at the time. And then we moved to Hurricane, Utah. So three different states, uh, at this time, fourth different school district. And I was a middle school principal. And at various points for those six years, I had grades six through nine. Uh, 
first, six, seven, eight, later, grades eight and nine, as we opened and started a middle or an intermediate school that was sixth and seventh grade over there. Well, let me just interrupt you before you finish that thought, because if you spent six years in a middle school, <laughs> you have you have a one-way ticket to heaven as far as yes, I'm you concerned. do. But, but and I, I've I never been so, the same, Mark. I've never been me, the same. My let me first, have you finish. My first day going out at lunchtime with all of those kids in that cafeteria. High school kids aren't anything like that. They were mm -hmm. screaming, yelling, pushing, shoving. Oh my word, I think I went right back in my office. My assistant came in and said, you weren't quite ready for that, were you? And I said, no. My, you know, no. The old electric football games put on high power or speed, but yeah. the body's going everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> that is a great description. Uh, yeah, that's what it was. And then I finished those six years, about a year and a half, of time they pulled me into the district to do uh, to develop a new teacher evaluation tool and do leadership training for principals we partnered with uh, uh, Malibu uh, school district Santa Monica school district down Malibu there by Los Angeles we worked really close with that school district a superintendent named John Daisy we did a lot of work and then I went back to uh, just finish uh, one more year at uh, Hurricane Middle School. And then that's when the opening came and I went to Dixie High School for six years. Great time, great time. Served on the executive committee of the Utah High School Activity Association. I, I was um, there with you, I remember. You were, well. Mark, remember, <laughs> loved it. You know, the, the, the Utah Secondary School Principals Association, all of that. Loved my association with that, loved the golf tournaments. You and I golfed together. Just everything was good, you know. That's just something I would certainly recommend for anybody. When you're involved in things, whether you're a principal, athletic director, be a part of the associations. There's strength in that. You learn from each other, you help each other. I've been such an asset over my 41 years, wouldn't change it ever and would give strong counsel for people to be uh, involved accordingly. Thank you. Let's, let's talk for a minute. You mentioned that when you were up in Lyman, Mm -hmm. I think it was. Oh, let me yeah. just mention this. I interviewed it to, for Cody High School right out of University of Utah back in 79. Didn't take the job. It wasn't offered to me, but yeah. that's another thing we may have in common. But oh. back to the question. When you look back on when you were helping out being a part-time AD, how is, how is it different? You're a superintendent now over multiple high schools. I think probably seven or eight now in your district. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and so how is how is the job of athletic administrator? How has it changed from when you first became oh, acquainted with it through all your years and now as a superintendent? Well, it, it didn't used to be that sports were year round like they are now. You remember that it's those days, mm -hmm. Mark. I mean, you played and it wasn't there weren't too many single sport athletes. If you were athletic, you played all the sports. You'd have some camps at different times. But one of the biggest changes to me in sports is the the fact that the pressure the expectations uh year round there's really not downtime there's leagues that are going all year round pretty well every sport i still to this day swear by and stand by multi-sport athletes i think coaches want them they come from a competitive uh atmosphere in one sport right into another yeah you've got a, a little different conditioning and get those muscles moving a little differently uh, the other thing athletic trainers we did not have them when i started if they were they were like volunteer 
you know, as right. a coach, Mark, we had to take all the taping that, you know, injuries, we, we, we dealt with that. That's changed. And I'm grateful that we work like with Intermountain Healthcare and they provide trainers that are certified, qualified, and they work hand in hand with these sports. It's better for athletes, safer, you know, all of the above. Uh, I think the other thing, you know, nowadays we, we generally, at least in big schools, you have full-time athletic directors. I think even for large schools, I think I know when I first got to Dixie, uh, even then, uh, Mike Bear, who I know you know, he right. was teaching half-time and athletic director half-time. You know what? Being an athletic director is not a half-time job. You know that. <laughs> Absolutely. That's a full-time job and then some. And, and that's just during the day, during the night, you're just, you know, your hours are forever. Um, and I understood that. I think that was one reason. As principal, I was always there. Uh, you know, I would separate between my two assistants, one of them being an athletic director, Mike Bear. We would, you know, divide up who was going to go to what games. Well, I pretty well went to all of them. I just felt like, you know what? He's there, I'm there. Uh, right. I, I, I just wanted to support that, the amount of work they do. Uh, the organization, uh, the camaraderie between coaches and players and parents, athletic directors, they wear a lot of hats. It's like it's Mike Bear and others have said, I'm the Adodian. I'm not a custodian. I'm not the athletic director. I'm the Adodian. There That's you a go. Good term. Yeah, we clean up, we get ready, we take down, we set up, all of the above. Well, and thank you for sharing that. And let me just thank you uh, as a side note from the UIAAA, because obviously you've been a member for years. Obviously you came for a conference for years when you were the principal, uh, even come to our conference as the uh, superintendent, superintendent and been very supportive of our association with your ADs. And uh, we just really appreciate that. Let's mm -hmm. let me have you share for a moment. And I'm thinking of one particular school that's probably only been in your district for maybe three or four years, but I'm thinking about some of the successes of being the superintendent of the Washington School District. Maybe share, I know I asked this to Craig Hammer when we had him on, but I mm -hmm. think Water Canyon has probably got to be, uh, for our people that are outside the state of Utah listening to this, this is one incredible story. So I'm going to give you some time to talk about the success of, of Water Canyon High School. Water Canyon, of course, as you know, Mark, and for just a perspective for others, uh, it was up in Hilldale, Utah, and it's a polygamous community, or at least it was. It's changing now, and the, the, the demographics and the makeup of that community are shifting more to a normal community. But under the, the jurisdiction of, of um, some of those of that faith that were in leadership that took everything out of that community, that cut baskets down at our elementaries because they purchased them from us, they kicked us out is what it amounts to around 2002, 2003. Right. Um, so they, they took that school, they cut that out. Uh, they basically took a lot of the opportunities and options for kids from even playing any sports, even playing with the ball, bikes, trikes, anything, were removed from that community. It was just vacuumed out so they had complete control. That left us, we hadn't been there for 12, 13 years before they invited us back in 14. 14, 14, 15. Uh, I became superintendent in 2013. So it was only about a year after we had been here uh, that we were approached by members of that community to return. Well, as a result of a lot of you know, hurt feelings and a lot of concern that what if we 
were removed again or kicked out again. They invited us back to return and to open the schools. Took us a while, especially school board members who had been here all through that time to develop confidence uh, in our accepting the financial responsibility and the commitment to go back in to that community. But we did, you know, as you were just mentioning, we've got an elementary school there. We've got a secondary school there. It started out, we were hoping to get 100 kids. The first year we opened with about 150. We now have several 100 kids there. We got a viable school. They offer sports. We've built vocational complexes. We spent millions of dollars up there. A big uh, goal and a big commitment to this school board and this school district is that whatever we provide to one student in one school, we provide to all students in every school. So we have made sure that those programs up there complete with a vocational building with all of the, the wood shop, uh, auto shop, mechanics, uh, ceramics, arts, everything are just as good there as they are to any of the other schools that are down here uh, in the general uh, St. George uh, metropolitan area. And so, yeah, it was a, and, and for those teachers that went up there, administrators that went up there, it's life-changing uh, when you see those who have not had any education whatsoever uh, coming in. And so six-year-olds at the same rating levels as 16-year-olds and trying to educate those kids. It was kind of a little house on the prairie, multiple grades uh, in one classroom. Uh, mm. It was kind of open trying to teach these kids uh, how to read and write and give them the opportunity to go to post-secondary education. Our graduating class the first year was one. Willie Jessup's boy, Dan, best kid. And he sang and danced and everything at his graduation because I guess that's what you do when you only have one graduate. Yeah. Still love that young man. Next year, there were four. And then it's just gone up from there. And we now have graduating classes of 40, 50, you know, and so forth. And so it's been life-changing for them and certainly something else to watch. I was just up there this past week in both schools talking to kids. And you know what, it, once you give them the opportunity, kids thrive and they can do some amazing things. We had our first day championship, Water Canyon High School cross country team. Right. Boy, we were quite excited about that. They're still celebrating up there. So we'll just see how we go. We had our first year of football this past year, eight man. And uh, I think they, I don't know, I think they did win a, a game or two. I'm not sure on that, what I think they might've done. They certainly took their, their lumps, but you wouldn't have known that from those kids participating. They were so excited to be out on that field. It didn't matter what the score was. They had Friday night lights in Hilldale, Utah, something they thought they'd never see. That's awesome. Thanks so much for sharing that. Let's have you share with our audience, what's the favorite part of your job? Now, I know it's oh, different. So gosh. what's the favorite part of your job now as the superintendent? It would be different at a high school and yes, a middle school, would. all those other schools. But now as the superintendent, what's the favorite part of your job? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preface first with saying my favorite job in 41 years as high school principal. I love kids, number one. Most of us get into education for kids. And I love high schools because I love the, the extracurricular activities and not just sports. I'm definitely a sports-oriented person. But when you know people and you get involved in their lives, which you do as a principal or as a teacher or as a coach changes things. You go and watch them play. You go and watch them compete on a football team, a basketball court, a volleyball, baseball, softball, track, swimming, wrestling, whatever. Then you see them in the halls or you watch them 
be the lead in a school play, uh, participate in the band, uh, the debate. I mean, you can go on and on and on. It's different. A school play for this guy that wasn't too theatrically inclined when I knew who those kids were was a different experience than a school play mm. or a play when you don't know kids. I went for them. And it was a big deal to me to support them and let them know after the play or after a game and in the halls, you know how well you did. And you know what? You may have lost that one. But you know what? It's a new day tomorrow. Been there, done that. We just have to strap them back on and go on because life is going to give you a lot of those opportunities. But I, you know, the thing I've enjoyed the most in education is kids. Uh, I've enjoyed the opportunity to, to counsel with them, to help them understand and learn from both successes and failures. Sometimes you have to teach people how to be good winners. <laughs> we can all use that. Uh, I look back at myself in high school compared to, you know, what I've learned and, and uh, how I've matured over the years. And I see some of these kids now and I'm amazed at how mature and how responsibly they carry themselves. So I learn a lot from these kids. So, you know, that associates with kids. The thing I miss the most, Mark, in this position is I'm not acquainted with kids like I was when I was in a building, whether sure. a, a teacher, a coach, an administrator, it's not the same. And, and quite frankly, about five years ago when we opened Crimson Cliffs High School, I seriously considered, the board knows this, my wife certainly knows it, <laughs> seriously considered going out and being the principal for that new school and getting back to what I really like to do. Well, that's, uh, that's some great insight. Let's finish up with a couple of questions. The first one being, in your 41 years in education, you've got two suggestions for a new athletic administrator to be successful. What would those two suggestions be? Oh, number one, be well taught. You know, take all the courses, the classes, the training, uh, understanding policies, procedures, rules, regulations, just how things work. You've got to have that background and that knowledge base. Probably the second thing is make sure you go into it for the right reasons, and that's for kids and coaches and everybody else involved and for parents. You know, we sometimes, I've been the coach, I've been the player, I've been the coach, I've been the teacher and the coach, I've been the administrator, I've been the principal, I've been the parent, I've been the ref, I was a certified basketball official in Wyoming, well, coached a lot of football as well, certified for football. And then I've been a parent, now I'm a grandparent watching kids go through high school sports. Um, it's never as serious as what you think, is one thing I would tell everybody. Uh, it's a new day tomorrow. Never sacrifice the individual for the win or the team for the win. And when you, as a coach or and as an athletic director, when you communicate with people, you can attack a player, you can attack a coach, you can attack a parent, but never attack the person. It's different. Don't make mm. it personal. As soon as you make it personal with any of those individuals, it isn't going to work. And probably the other thing I would say, be very organized, provide those quality, equal opportunities for all kids of all abilities, of all genders, um, but make sure that, you know, as you do all of those things, that you, you do it with the... Uh, on the basis of what's best for kids uh, as you do it. Um, but I tell you, they, 
the springboard into life uh, from lessons learned in sports has certainly uh, been the basis for a lot of what I've done in my life. Um, and not just in sports, like I say, I still play. I played a lot of yeah. sports over the years with my, with my own kids. Now I'm playing with grandkids and I play senior games. I don't know why I do that. I'm still sore from senior games <laughs> and I have to go. But it's, that is, it's because of the love of it. It's because of what you learn. It's because, you know, I can honestly say that there's, there's teams that we play in senior games. UC Davis got D1, XD1 players from all over. I tell you what, we see them come in a gym and we stop the game just to go give them a hug. You know, here I am 65 and, and sports and this camaraderie and this association is so good. Uh, it's just so, so my advice be, be well-trained, be well-educated, be well-taught, um, do things for the right reasons, keep balance in your life as you do it. Maybe that's a big one too, Mark. Man, don't, yeah. let, don't let your job take over your life and don't forget your family in the middle of it because probably in no case greater, you have to watch that than an athletic director because of the amount of time that we know they invest and put in. You, you've got to leave your work at work I'm not the best at that. I'm, I'm <laughs> preaching that, but somebody has to preach that to me too. A lot of time it's my wife and my kids and now my grandkids, but make sure that you keep balance in your life and don't, don't uh, overinvest in uh, becoming out of balance with those things. Yeah, that is some great advice. Thank you so much for sharing. Let me finish with this, Larry. What question should I have asked you that I failed to ask? Boy, I don't know. Maybe. What are your plans when you retire here in about six months, Larry? Okay. So what are you, what are your plans in six months? Oh, I look forward to being busy. Like a lot of people who retire say they're as busy as it was when I was working. The difference is it's my choice on what I'm busy with. And I look forward to having the choice to be able to spend some time chasing grandkids, probably in a lot of athletic activities. Got a lot of them play sports, even at Texas. Three of my kids, three sons and one daughter, all three of my sons live right here in St. George um, or in Washington County anyway. Got one daughter that lives in College Station, Texas. And she's got some athletic little girls right now. She's got a boy that's young enough. I'm not sure if he'll do sports, but I hope he does. But I love chasing those things and I look forward to that opportunity. Um, I'm freeing myself up, you know, uh, I look forward to going on a mission for my church with, along with my wife. I didn't get to choose my companions 40 years ago, 41 <laughs> exactly. years ago. I, I get to choose this one. And so I look forward to that. Those are, those are my answers, Mark. All right. Well, on that note, that wraps up another edition of the UI AAA Connection. Again, our guest today has been Larry Bergeson, superintendent of the Washington County School District. Larry, thanks so much for being on the podcast today. Mark, you're very welcome. Thanks for uh, having me and good luck with uh, things that are going on in your life as well. Thank you. For our listeners, we hope you tune in again next week for another edition of the UIAAA Connection. 